Welcome to the Staffing RecOps podcast, where we interview leaders from high-volume staffing and recruitment firms on the operations, strategy and business processes that they've implemented or are implementing. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcoming to the show today, Graham Hellwood. Graham, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Graham is a director and the chief operations officer at BMS Performance based in Weybridge, Surrey, here in the United Kingdom. Graham started with BMS as a CDE, a client development executive in November 1992, progressing through a variety of front and back office roles before moving into his current position as COO in May 2011. BMS has been delivering recruitment solutions since 1990, with offices in Weybridge, Bristol, Coventry, Manchester and Central London, operating nationally across a variety of industry sectors, including but not limited to business services, construction, engineering, FMCG, IT, manufacturing, media and medical, and boasts a culture of progression, training and reward to keep its teams energised and motivated. Graham is my final guest for this quarter where we have been discussing the topics of customer and candidate care, automation and messaging. Graham, what can you share with our audience about what you've been working on recently? Uh, thanks for the introduction, James, and uh, it was a bit of a mouthful. Um, so, and thanks for the invite to this podcast. Yes, we've just very recently completed a project to change uh, marketing automation solutions. The background to the decision making, uh, I think is probably a fairly good place to start. We were in a very good comfort zone of what we had and getting value out of it. But when we wanted to push forward and open up new channels, we found we were being a bit limited. And as uh, I think everyone's going to be aware, expectations just keep on increasing and increasing, increasing, and you can't stand still. So we wanted to open up more channels of communicating with people, being where they want to be, as opposed to trying to say, no, no, we communicate on email. And if you can't get to your email, then you're missing out. And so one of those pieces that you wanted to introduce, you now have a chatbot on your website. Yep, we uh, launched chatbot and live chat simultaneously. Um, they rely on the same piece of technology. And it's uh, one of the things we've always liked about it is that ability to move from one to the other. So chatbots are great in terms of frequently asked questions and pointing people to the right places on your website where it's a well-trodden trail. But so often it then transitions into what would be a better interaction with a human. And that change from a chatbot into a live chat is enabled at the same time. So you already had some marketing automation tools in place. You were already doing some automated outreach by email and text. Um, not by text as it happens, but by email. Um, and where Ooh, great place to start. So I'm a big believer in behavioral marketing. I'm not a big believer in broadcast style marketing. What, so, what do you mean by that, Graham? So behavioral is where you're in line with what people want at that moment in time. So 
great um, example, a candidate applies for a position, that is a moment in time when they're probably going to be really interested in making sure their CVs formatted correctly and they are ticking all the right boxes with algorithms of all the big search engines out there and they want advice on what's available in the marketplace. Whereas if you try and send that to someone who's not looking for a job at that moment in time, to say they're disinterested is probably an understatement. So market automation is great because it enables behavioral marketing. So rather than I'm going to send 10,000 emails to everybody I know today saying we've got a great offer on, you're actually in line with their own personal journeys and you're using the trigger points on their journeys to trigger your marketing. So it's supporting their goals and their aims rather than delivering against your own. Talking about trigger points, what was it that triggered you to take this next step, this evolution in your marketing automation capability? Were you getting feedback from candidates or was it just that you knew there was capacity to push forward and be more effective? Yeah, I mean, we're all sort of uh, listening to other people's podcasts, aren't we? And you get great input and great advice and we go to different events and you see what companies are doing and bit by bit, the dial keeps moving and you're thinking, can we do that? No. Can we do that? Yes. Do I want to be able to do it? That's a big question in there. But once you start answering those questions, thinking, yeah, there's a business advantage, then you're trying to find the right software, the right solution to be uh, able to do what you need to do or what you think you need to do. So you decided that you wanted to take that next evolution. You looked at the tools that you were already using. You looked at some competition. What what was that process like for you and how did you evaluate whether to stay or whether to move? Um, the evaluation route is always a little bit complicated, I think, because you are told a lot of things during the evaluation process and not all of it is necessarily 100% applicable uh, to your own use cases. So you are looking for other companies who have trodden a similar path and actually can demonstrate actual real benefit to the end of the process. The, um, the key things uh, for us, um, the commercials had to be right. We don't have unlimited budgets. Uh, we needed the capability in-house. Um, and I'm trying to not use language, but uh, Companies offer things like low-code solutions now. I think that's a fairly standard thing, and that's important to us. We do not have coders in-house or HTML programmers, and we needed to be able to utilize the power of the tools. So I think that's a big thing for us. Um, but then you are looking for um, what extra avenues it starts opening up from day one in terms of this is the reason for the change, but your eye on the future as well. What's coming down the the lines and what are you going to want to be able to do next year and the year after uh, i know you've been in a similar place james so i when i'm thinking about buying into technology i tend to think now of a two-year cycle um, it has to be two years because the effort to do the change is so much but equally not much longer than two years because the downside is it moves so quickly who knows what you're going to need in two years time Never mind three or even five years, which it used to be a big thing in terms of signing into software leases. So you chose a new marketing automation tool that gave you some additional capabilities, such as the chat bot and the, the live chat. 
what did you find that was unexpected along the way? Where did you bump your head? And there are always these hurdles, aren't there? So um, the scenario we were used to, um, we had no issues with the movement of data between the two systems. And you get lured into the fact that that, because there was no issues with it at all, you almost end up thinking it's not a thing. And now we've moved to a scenario where the data is moving between two systems and you have this whole concept of syncing. Um, and the sync is in their eyes very good, but it's like an extra step. And I was not aware of the underlying complications in some of the zones where that is. So, so what do you mean by that? Are, are you missing certain data point connections that you used to have, or is it about the speed that that data is updated? What? what well, see, so as it happens, not those two. Where um, data is a big thing, um, and in a recruitment company, the you have people who join the company and then inevitably leave at some stage, and whether that's uh, six months in or ten years in. Uh, you've got a high throughput of data in terms of permanent recruitment because you have candidates who are looking for a job at a moment in time and then they go and find a position and then they are not interested in your services for might be two, three, five years. Um, so what we found was our data quality, which uh, had generated no challenges, once we changed systems, the data quality itself started ruining challenges. Good example would be um, duplicate email addresses. So let's say we have a candidate registered with us in 2020 and looking for a new position, and they come back and registered with us in 2023 looking for a new position. That's two candidate records, sometimes with the same email address. That was not a problem, and now it is a problem. And that is because the new system you've chosen doesn't allow you to have two email addresses for the same candidates, or? Um, well, technically it does but then it tries to merge the two records together, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it wasn't what we were doing before. So it's it's not a, um, uh, I'm trying to think of a really good way to explain it. So it's not that it's a problem now, and it's not that it was a problem the way it was, but during that transition, some of the things you took for granted, we can no longer take for granted, and we have to decide, okay, we want it to behave this way. So there's a potential process change and it's about managing and deciding on what those new processes are and, and then educating your users. So, so it comes down to transformational change. It does, It comes yes. down to managing that transfer. And that, that's interesting because this is something that comes up again and again in, in my daily conversations, in conversations I have with people on the, on the podcast, that sometimes the actual software, the actual implementation, or even if it's not tech itself implementing a new process it's how do you go about that transformational change and what we try to do and you're absolutely spot on um, what we try to do is um, replace one system with another system and rebuild the things that we enjoyed and thought were good and working and then open up the vistas going forward to be able to add more and more in that piece the the bits that we liked and we thought were working how how do you measure that what what measurements have you got around what measurements have you got internally whether really quantifiable or just 
circumstantial around the 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 benefit that you've got as a result of moving how how do you measure that okay so if i if i talk you through just one example and i'll give you the, the very specific so we called it a send first email campaign so what happens is a candidate applies for a job and whether that's through our own website or any other uh, job board or linkedin uh, that application hits our CRM system and marketing automation kicks in instantly. So it thanks them for the application. And while a consultant will be reading that application and deciding uh, whether they're a good candidate for our service offering, they then trigger a status change and that status change then triggers the behavioral marketing so it's, there'll be a, a sequence of emails oh thanks for applying your cv looks fantastic really keen to speak to you here's my meetings link please let's sort a virtual coffee and talk about how we can help out two days later if that hasn't tricked the box they get another one another five days later and then they'll get some questions about how those things go so measurement what we can then see is at which point during the process the candidate went from someone we want to speak to to someone who's now being actionable on our system and we can then associate a value between whether it's at the first email second third fourth fifth or sixth communication step and then because we use a crm system if we manage to find that candidate a new position that justifies a fee that fee gets added to our crm system and then we can backtrack all the way through okay so it was the third step of the marketing automation generated a fee of x thousand pounds and therefore you can divide one by the other now clearly it's an attribution model so we're not saying that generated that amount of money in itself but you can see the value chain all the way through. Interesting. If you were to be evaluating your marketing automation again at this point, what would you do differently? Well, one of the uh, reasons, it may be a little bit strong, one of the benefits of uh, the new system uh, is the uh, dashboards it comes with built in which actually show all the different touch points so our attribution modeling is now much more complicated so we can see the volume of traffic we can see the different touch points we can see where that was on someone's journey and then we can see what the end game is and start trying to backtrack now to answer the question it's too early in my opinion to start talking about yes it's been a brilliant decision yes this has worked yes i can see an roi of x amount and i have been asked um, like we all are for a testimonial having made a decision by the company who supplied the software and i've said the exact same to them it's too early so you can ask me how the implementation went but i don't think you should be asking me yet what roi we're seeing from its implementation when did you actually go live with the new solution? Uh, July. Oh, so very early days. Yeah. yeah, so we're literally, I think this is week five from uh, week six, sorry, of uh, us actually turning one system off and this system going live. And how long ago was it that you implemented the first automation tool? 2016. So quite a while. Can you remember back to that implementation and what what was different about moving as opposed to implementing the first solution did you say there was an equal amount of work was it less work more work um i mean i was uh in place i think there was more work internally not with the platform 
but with the people in the company explaining what it was, where it fitted in, how it supported them rather than replaced them, how it enabled them to be more effective. And that's a big topic and we still face it now in terms of, because um, well, I'd rather make the phone call myself. And, and my answer is always, make the phone call. This is nothing about making phone calls. And as soon as you made the phone call, you make a change to the system, it stops it, it sends it in a different direction, it multiplies your efforts. It makes you more effective. It will make you more money. And that whole adoption a bit was much more complicated in 2016 because it was new. Um, whereas this time round, almost unseen. And if we hadn't told people we'd changed it, then they may not have ever known. And that's a very deliberate thing because we don't want to spend time explaining technology. We want to spend time explaining benefits, not the actual underlying platform. You gave a very good example of where you can attribute the financial gain from a, a placement back to where did that candidate engage? What are the other measurements by which you're going to track success? So the most important measurement of success for us is helping candidates find their new positions. So everything starts there. Um, and if there was a company out there that's not putting all their data into one system, um, I would say, please do. The quality of decision-making it enables about where you're spending your money, what return you're getting, at what point it's having an impact, and it's mind-blowing to start off with and then you accelerate into it and you get more and more customized information at your fingertips that enable better and better decision making and whether that's where to spend money on job boards which marketplaces are hotter than other marketplaces where your average fee is suffering or your marginal rates are suffering um, you know the challenge James and I'm sure you're aware of this data can be so big you can't see the wood for the trees and that's where it's not about just the amount of data now it's the data interpretation and the importance of and i'll use the language dashboards and reports and some people will just recognize that straight away of uh, you know where that's coming from but it's so vital and that speed of uh, seeing what's happening uh, improves decision making all the way through what do you see as being the next step in your in your advancement with this this automation and, and we've talked all about candidates at this point are you looking to do anything in terms of client engagement through automation yes so um uh, i felt there was two questions in one james can i answer them slightly separately um so the first step of that was uh we want to integrate whatsapp a lot more so like I'm guessing so many companies, uh, consultants have mobile phones and they use WhatsApp. The downside of that solution is, of course, as a company, you can't see what's been said, what's been shared. Uh, if someone was to leave your company, they take their WhatsApp account with them. It's just lost data. There's loads of problems attached to that. So we've got a whole project uh, moving in that direction. Uh, number one. Uh, the second question you asked was the client side. Uh, phone calls. 
loads and loads of evidence about the importance of a phone call in the sales process. And one of the things you pointed out in my introduction, thank you, 30 years ago, um, that's the way I was brought up. You know, if you want to be successful in this, you get on the phone and you ring people and you talk to people, and it's only by having those phone conversations that you make real differences. I, the only word I want to take out of it is only. You have to get on the phone. You have to be talking to people. But it's not the only route because you now have to also be on their LinkedIn profiles and communicating with them and on their events that they want to be at and making sure your messaging is across multiple channels. But phone calls is still a huge part of that. And that's how you make a difference as a salesperson. And ultimately, most recruiters are salespeople at heart. Graham, I feel like we could go off into a whole other tangent talking about phone calls, and I would love to, um, but I've, I've been told by the higher ups that we're going to be doing 20 minute podcasts moving forward, easier to digest. Graham, thank you very much for your time today. It's been really interesting hearing about your experience. Thank you for having me, James. Great. Enjoyed it. Thank you to our listeners. Please like, subscribe and share. And more importantly, let us know if there is someone you would like us to interview on the show and what you would like to hear them talking about. What strategic and or operational changes are you planning to implement in your staffing slash recruitment firm? Lastly, thank you to our sponsor employee providing front and middle office solutions to a range of staffing and recruitment organizations on the Salesforce platform. That's all for today. James Lawton signing out. 